Um, apparently, I made Rodney mad a while back. It's been a while since I got to speak to you, so um, he, something I said he didn't like, I guess. But uh, the last one I was going to speak to you at, the weather canceled, so maybe I made the Lord mad, but that's not true. So. Um, I, I do have a message prepared, but uh, much like the Lord does in my life, uh, during worship, he gave me the scripture that I want to uh, read to you, and then we'll, we'll see where it ends up. But um, uh, Matthew 13, you don't have to throw it up there, but I want to read out of the Passion Translation. If you've not had the privilege of reading out of that translation yet, I highly, highly encourage you to buy a copy. Um, if you love reading in the Old Testament, you'll be a little bummed because I don't have the Old Testament yet, but uh, the gospel is still true, so you can read out of that one. Um, I want to pick you up in ch- uh, chapter 13, verse 3. So he taught them many things by using stories, parables that would illustrate spiritual truth, saying, and, and again, this is Jesus, they're referring to Jesus. Consider this. There was a farmer who went out to sow seeds. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell into gravel that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds, so when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, some even 100 times as much as he planted. If you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. And then the disciples, and much like the disciples' fashion, approached Jesus and asked, why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-understand parables? I'm sure the Lord's never spoke to you in a hard-to-understand way. Uh, And Jesus explained, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have, will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, they never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. But your eyes are privileged, for they see. Delighted are your ears, for they are open to hear all these things. Many prophets and godly people in times past yearn to see in these days of miracles that you've been favored to see. Let me read that again. Many prophets and godly people in times past yearn to see these days of miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given everything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. Yet they didn't get to see as much as a glimpse or hear even a whisper. Now you are ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the sower and his seeds. The seed that fell on the beaten path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm, but doesn't understand it. The adversary then comes and snatches away what was sown into his heart. The seed sown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. The seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message. 
But all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart, his ambition for wealth, result in suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. As for the seed that fell upon good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of the people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as for sown. And I was asking the Lord, man, it's, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of scripture in one little message. I, I understand that. But, uh, but I want you to understand there's something powerful that Jesus is trying to illustrate in the parables. That uh, the message that I actually kind of felt like the Lord was on tonight, or, or at least that I prepared, was um, basically persevering and, persevering and process. Enjoying the process, being able to do process. How many of you know if you're alive, you're going through some sort of process? Uh, there's, there's no cutoff. You know, you don't get to the age 50 and your process is done, right? It's from start to finish until you get to heaven and see Jesus, you're in process. And um, it was interesting, Rodney asked me earlier today, he's like, what are you speaking on? And I was like, I, I think identity. I, I don't know, that sounds great. Um, I was telling Nick on the way here, I've been to this place of the Lord where I've been like dialoguing, hey, what do you have for tonight? What do you want me to say? And nothing. I, I don't get anything. I don't feel the Lord on anything. And, uh, and so today I was looking at some stuff and uh, then we went to lunch and Roddy was talking about him and Debbie listening to Jensen's message, um, filled, filled of diamonds. Acres of Diamonds. And it was telling Jensen's kind of backstory about kind of his relationship and death with the Lord. And we were talking about it. And so we left. I started thinking about my process with the Lord. And um, I ended up talking to uh, Trent with security called me, uh, one of our guys back in Reading. And we were talking and kind of sharing some stuff. And then uh, kind of the same thing on Monday, I, I got asked to lead a, a men's Bible study at 6 a.m. in the morning, which was I think it was the Lord, but 6 a.m. is early for all of you that get up that early. Bless you. Uh, but I, I was talking to the guy that kind of oversaw it, and the same conversation I was having tr with Trent, I was having with this guy. And at the end of it, he was kind of asking me, you know, my story, my process. And he, he got through and said, man, you've, you've done a lot of stuff to be 34 years old. And I thought about it, and I was like, yeah, I, I guess I have. But, but it's always been centered around the Lord, you know, try, trying to really pursue the Lord and this stuff. Um, and I just felt like the Lord was reminding me of it today. And, and so I opened up my notebook, and uh, the first thing I saw when I had some preach notes was this message I had written months ago about persevering in the process. Um, and, and it wasn't until a couple of years back that I actually settled into being okay in the process. Uh, I'm a very focused, driven person. Um, I, can, I look from point A to point Z, and I can tell you A, B, C, D, and E, and F on the way to get there, uh, but I don't slow down much. It sounds similar to somebody else I know. Um, and so, but, but that's just how I'm wired. And for a long time, I would try to uh, manage that, right, in the process because I wanted it, it to try to fit in somebody else's bubble or, hey, this is actually what you should be. And it wasn't until a few years ago when the Lord really kind of settled into me, like, hey, I created you to be driven. I created you to be wired that way. It's funny because there's people uh, that are way more um, slower paced, and it's not a bad thing. Nikki will tell you often she has to pull my reins a little bit to slow me down. Uh, that's why I don't mind change. Change is not a scary thing for me. It does not bother me whatsoever. Uh, it kind of excites me a little bit, so I have to watch myself. Um, but in that, man, I just started thinking about the process I've had with the Lord 
and about where he, he started at 15, getting saved at Ladonia Baptist Church, and this process of just trying to learn about the Lord, to uh, ending up at Auburn Heights, and wanting to leave here to go somewhere else, and just feeling like the Lord was like, nope, this is where you're at. And, uh, you know, Rodney and Debbie brought me on. I still remember uh, getting a phone call from Nita Boatner to go to my first youth camp. Like, I can look at all this stuff, but uh, our first time we moved to California, and our second time we moved to California, and, and our third time we moved to California. Um, and it's, it's just interesting how the Lord puts a process in your life, and everybody looks so unique and so different in that process. Um, but sometimes it takes us to really slow down and, and be thankful for what the Lord has walked us through. Um, I was telling somebody, you know, my background is, is mainly ministry and law enforcement, and now I own a pool cleaning company uh, that pays for all of my bills. And, and, and Trent, I was talking to Trent, he was like, it's just a weird thing, Lonnie. It's just a weird thing that doesn't make any sense, but it feels like the Lord. And I'm like, yeah, it does feel weird, and it does feel like the Lord, but this is the process the Lord has taken us through. And I'm not saying I've never missed the Lord on something, right? We've all been there. We've all kind of stepped out, and it was us. But man, the Lord is really good about using whatever hand you try to play him. I tell people often, if your heart is for the Lord, you have to try really hard to mess it up. When we used to counsel people and talk to singles, and they'd be like, ah, I just don't know what I should do. Should I go here? Should I do this? Should I date this girl? Should I date this guy? Should I do that? And I'm like, well, do you love the Lord? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Did you ask him about it? Yeah, I did. What did he say? I didn't hear him. So he didn't say no. No, he didn't say no. Well, great. Can you go do that and still carry the kingdom? Yeah. All right. Well, go do it. it the Lord's no is pretty evident. I've been there many times. The Lord's no is actually pretty evident. There's so many times we live ourselves in this bubble where I don't want to do something wrong. And you spend 40 years standing in a static place because you're too scared to, to just take a risk, right? Uh, we don't have kids yet. Uh, we get to kind of run Travis and Stacey's a little bit. Um, but I can tell you, you know, even as us, as much as we love them, I would imagine as parents, you're almost expectant that your kids make mistakes, Right? All right. Do you think it surprises the father when we, we miss a mark somewhere? Do you think he's just saddened and in disbelief that we decided to make that? Um, he's pretty good to change the roadmap however he wants to. You know, if you're going down a direction, uh, I'll share this story real quick. And I was thinking about it earlier today. And uh, Chris Vallotton a couple of years ago was uh, preaching a message, and he was sharing this testimony about how they had this conference years ago, and hopefully I won't butcher it too bad, but he said he was giving prophetic words to people, what he was hearing the Lord say about other people, and he called on this lady, and he starts telling this lady, hey, you know, I feel like the Lord's called you uh, to be a worship leader, and this is what he's called you to do, and you're going to lead worship at this church, and all this other stuff, and uh, he says at the end of it, he hears the Lord tell him, uh, yeah, that, that's not for me, and he was like, what? He's like, no, I, I'll make it happen, but I didn't say that. Just don't do it again. And he said, he asked the Lord, he's like, I'm, I'm so sorry. He's like, no, it's okay. If we always did what I wanted to do, what kind of friend would I be? <clears throat> and it was just kind of when I heard it, I was like, you know, you know those things that kind of rattle you a little bit. You're like, is that the Lord? Oh, wait, that, that probably is the Lord. Like the, the, the Lord is a friend. He calls us a friend. And, and it was funny because he said months go by, probably I think a year went by, the same conference comes. And this lady comes up to him, 
And uh, she says, hey, do you remember me? And he's like, no, sorry. She's like, I was uh, at this conference last year, and you called me to stand up, and you told me that I was going to be this worship leader. And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 I do remember. She's like, well, I just want you to know that I was clinically tone deaf. (laughs) My husband was the worship leader, and my desire has always been to lead worship, but I was clinically tone deaf and could not carry a note. And she said, when you said that, I went home after the conference, and I got up on stage to do a sound check just to see, and the tone deaf was gone, and I could hit pitch on pitch, and she's like, now me and my husband lead worship at our church, and she's like, I've been doing it for almost a year, and he's like, he just kind of laughed, and he was saying like, look, in that, I I just went out, I I thought it was the Lord, (laughs) it was a great word, you know, she appreciated it, Uh, but it wasn't actually the Lord you know, I missed it, basically. I missed it. And the Lord came in and said, hey, yeah, you, you did. That wasn't me, but it was a good word. And, and what kind of friend would I be if we always did what I wanted to do? And you're like, well, that sounds a little weird. Well, you could read the Old Testament, David, Moses, Abraham. I can give you some stories, and they didn't even have Holy Spirit inside of them. So you do with that what you want to, but the, the Lord is, is greater than we give him credit for a lot of times. He, he's, he is a good father, but he's also a good friend. And he's in the process that we do life with. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in, am I going to step over the wrong line? Am I going to miss it? Congratulations if you do. Well done. Way to take a risk. (laughs) You know, the Lord's not going to let you blow up your life unless you intentionally do so. Just like it said in here, when, when you are intent on hearing the word, you're intent on hearing the Lord, your heart is for him, he is not going to allow you to just blow up your life. It's not a scary thing. The more intimate I grow with a father, the more simple I realize the relationship is and how overly complex I've made it over the years. Um, he, he just really is good at what he does. Um, so we're all going through this process, right? We're all trying to figure it out. Um, you think about, uh, was it Matthew, I think chapter 4, uh, where Jesus is in the desert, right? And Satan comes to him to tempt him. You know, even in those moments... The enemy will often try to offer you things up uh, to give you this, this fool's gold kind of reward um, to get you out of the process. Because the process is what builds that foundation, right? The process is designed to build intimacy with the Father. Um, we used to get a lot of, uh, especially in, in our world at Bethel with the, the school of ministry students, you get a lot of younger 20 students and you'll talk to them like, hey, well, what are you going to do after this year? Uh, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get our entire country saved. Uh, the, Awesome, man. What's your plan for that? You know, I'm going to go tell them all about Jesus. Uh, that's fantastic. Like, so what's your actual plan for that? And you start talking to them, and they'll tell you, like, you know, I, I have this call. Like, I'm going to be the next Billy Graham. I'm going to be the next, you know, Reinhard Bunke, the next Bill Johnson, the next Jensen Franklin. And I'm like, all right, how old are you? 23. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, how long have you known the Lord? Well, I got saved two years ago before I came to do school. All right, you know. And I start to tell, like, hey, you got to build some foundation. You need to build some substance with the Lord. Um, you look at these people. You look at Billy Graham. You look at, you know, when he was, when people really started to know about Billy Graham. You look at Jensen Franklin. You look at Bill Johnson. You look at whoever you want to name. And Jesus, Jesus was a rarity because you knew about Jesus in his 30s. But um, Jesus was a little bit ahead of the program than the rest of us are at. Uh, But you look at these people and they have what? They have this foundation, this history with the Lord, this history of just just building intimacy. And 
you know, I tell people, like, a lot of these people you would have never heard of until they were probably in their 50s. They're 60 years old. That's why when I talk to people that are, you know, in their 50s or 60s or 70s, I'm like, you're not done yet. Like, there's still a lot of things for the Lord to do in your life um, that can impact the world around you. You know, you may not be traveling to South Africa to save the entire continent, but you may be called to, to radically change the city that you're in or the family that you're in. And like the, the Lord is in a process with you where he has the best in mind for you. He has the best set ahead. And I see so many people rob themselves of their calling. They, they sit on the sideline hoping that the Lord's going to show up instead of actually walking with the Lord. The, the Lord is moving, right? The Lord is walking and he wants you to walk with him. The, the Lord is not a, a sideline cheerleader. He's not. This doesn't mean he's, he won't wait for you. He won't be there for you. But the Lord is an active God. He, he is a God of action and momentum. Read the Bible. It's all about it. Jesus was the same way. And it doesn't mean he won't come pull you out of your spot. But... There, there comes a point when you read some of this and it's like, I have to have action, right? Faith without works is death, right? I have to actually build a relationship. If Nikki and I have been married for almost 13 years now, and if I solely depended on her to make this relationship work, um, we'd be in a whole lot of counseling and a whole lot of other places if we were still together. Uh, the, the Lord is the most patient because he's the only person that I've ever met that will still stay in a relationship even when you don't even want to make it work. He's that passionate about who you are. But, but we think, we, we get into these places in the process and we get with the Lord and we say, hey, um, I, my life's falling apart or this has happened or I, I should have, you know, been the, the U.S. Capitol pastor by now. I should be, you know, President Trump's personal pastor. And it's like, well, all right, well, great. Um, when's the last time you served anybody else? When's the last time you spent time with me? <laughs> when's the last time you did anything kingdom-oriented that wasn't self-centered? And those are the, those hard moments, right? That's why I tell people it's a lot more fun to be humbled in private than it is in public. And so I just want to encourage you, in this process, you know, we're all learning. We're all growing. We're all trying to figure it out. We all make mistakes in the process, and that's okay. Uh, there's a whole thing I can get into about the difference between a mistake and a sin, but that's a whole other preach. Uh, but, but God is not upset when you miss a step. Uh, he, a lot of times he just values that you're taking the risk you're taking the effort to go after it. Um, and I just, you know, and I've said it every time I've been up here, I just have this strong um, sense that the Lord has this big uh, overlapping calling for Auburn Heights, uh, for Phoenix City. And this isn't just a one church thing that Auburn Heights is going to save, save Phoenix City and Alabama, but Auburn Heights is a piece, right? It is a piece of the puzzle. Uh, and I like wholeheartedly believe that. I have for years. Uh, I've heard the Lord on it specifically. But in that, we have to know that we're in this process together. You know, you have your, your individual process and you have your, your corporate church process. Um, and that's okay because some of you are going to be in a process where it just really sucks for a bit. That's, I've been there. <laughs> I've, I've been there more than once. They weren't fun. I'm not in that process right now. And I'm super grateful that I'm not. But again, when, when people aren't in that process and the people that are, this is why you have corporate church right? This is how you carry people through. This is how you build community. You build family. Because there may come a time where, where I'm now in a season that's not as enjoyable as I would like it to be, and I'm hoping that I have family around me that's going to support me through it, right? And so, so you have to understand that your, your individual process has to be forward-moving. Don't stay static. 
Don't just stand there. If you stand there for too long, I, I believe, honestly, in the kingdom, there's no, you can't actually be stagnant. Either you're moving forward or you're going backward. I don't actually know that you can be static. I, I think it's one direction or the other. Uh, because God is constantly moving. He's constantly expanding the kingdom. And I think either we're with them or we're not. And I don't mean that like I don't believe in God or I do kind of thing, but I do mean like either we're moving with them or we're missing it. And you could be, I'm exactly where I should be today, but this may not apply. If I stay in the same place today, it may not be relevant tomorrow. Does that make sense? Just because, you know, people say, well, I'm not where I need to be. Well, maybe you actually are in the moment. Maybe you're exactly where you need to be. But if you stay there in two days... Maybe you're not where you need to be then. It's a constant moving and constant growing with the Lord. And the more I, I, I'm trying to understand this with the Father, the more I'm kind of seeing that it's not about perfection. It is about excellence, but it's mostly about just relationship with him. I'm mostly just trying to figure it out on, God, what are you wanting to do? Not about what, what do I want, what do I need? God, what are you wanting to do, and how can I be a part of that? And sometimes I don't know. Uh, that's just part of the mystery. Sometimes, uh, I was asking him earlier when I was prepping this message, I was telling Nikki, I was in the shower, I didn't really feel the Lord on it, and I asked him, I said, God, is this, is this what I'm supposed to talk on tonight? And he asked me, he said, is it truth? I was like, yeah. Is it relevant? Yeah. Okay. And that was it. <laughs> you know, in very Lord fashion, that was the end of the conversation, and I, I didn't hear anything else. And so there's times where you're not always going to get a direction. You're not always going to hear the Lord say, get up and go to this place and do all this stuff. It's great when you do, but in maturity, right? I'm 34 years old. If I called my dad every day and asked him, dad, what should I make for dinner today? How should I dress? Uh, what should I do at work? That would get old pretty fast, right? That's okay when you have a three, four, five-year-old, six-year-old, but maturity, right, should, should spur us on to making self-decisions, and we do it with kingdom perspective, right? Don't allow your gift to derail your calling. Don't allow your gift to drive life when you should be allowing the Holy Spirit to lead it. Holy Spirit will always lead you. The enemy will always push you. God will also test you in the process. I can give you plenty of Bible verses. Being frustrated during the process is okay. Staying in frustration is destructive. Your process is meant for building intimacy with the Lord. The enemy will always try to force you to create your identity instead of waiting on God to show you your identity. Always. Always. So I, I want to start wrapping up with this. The Lord has you in a process. If you're alive and you're still moving, you're in it. And just like the, uh, Matthew 13 says, you get to choose where you fall in that seed sowing. All right? This isn't an automatic selection, and either you made the cut or you didn't. All right? We, we don't make the Jehovah's Witness cut, so unless you're one of the 40,000 I don't know of. If you don't know anything about Jehovah's Witness, that went over your head. But, um, but it's not predestined, right? You get a say in it. You get to decide, what am I going to do with this calling? What am I going to do in my life and, in relationship to the Lord? And you can decide to just come to church and hear it, and it's good until you walk out for lunch and then you forget it. Uh, you can decide to just, you know, go do whatever you want to with your life. Or you can decide to come here and, and not just get, you know, fed on a Sunday or Wednesday, but that, you know, this is where I come to get empowered. This isn't where I come to get fed. All right? If you're getting fed from here all the time and it's your only substance, you and I need to chat because that's not the way the church was designed. All right, the, the church is designed to equip and empower and to send out, 
all right? Um, which, again, is a whole other preach. Um, can we put up Philippians 1.6? Uh, and I want to end I want to end with this. Uh, and I actually, uh, this is Paul writing to the, um, the church at Philippians, and, uh, and I just really felt the Lord on it was early. Uh, the Lord was on it earlier. And I want to pray this over you as we close. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus. So, Father, I just ask you for continued maturity and wisdom, God, for revelation to continue to chase after you, to be with you, God, that we get to run the race together, and, Father, we get to... Uh, that you're a God that's not just all about you, but God, you've created desires and dreams in us that you want to partner with. And God, we get to co-labor with Christ. God, we get to co-labor with you in the process. And so God, I just ask for continued wisdom uh, on how to interact with your call, with your vision over this church, over our personal lives, over our city, God, over our nation. That God, that we be a light in the city, in the state, in the country, that people... Uh, know Auburn Heights by the, the character that we show, God, by the love that we uh, emanate to the ones that are around us. And God, we just say thank you for being a good father. God, that you're not uh, angry or mad at us. God, you're not trying to punish it, but you're a father that's just waiting for us to step into who you've called us and created us to be. So God, we love you. We're excited for what's to come. We're excited for what you have in store. And God, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for being a good dad. In Jesus' name, amen.
your own song in this morning. Just lift up your voice in your own words. Just make a sound, a sound of hunger. A sound of thirsting, a, th a sound of thanksgiving, a sound of praise. God, we just lift our voice, we lift our song to you tonight, Jesus, in praise and in worship, because it's your breath in our lungs. You are the one we adore, God. So oh. 